Thank each and every one of you for being here. Two things are different about today. The first and most important, some of you may know, some of you may not know, but it is Pentecost Sunday. And this is, uh, honest to goodness, this is just as important of a day in our Christian tradition, you may not know it, as Easter and Christmas. And the reason for that is, this is the day that Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit came down on the first disciples and the new church started. So our brothers and sisters around the world in the church, I mean, this is a a very holy day, and we're going to honor that today. And um, so, I mean, I hope y'all will, will know that and feel that, most of all, through the worship, through the message, through the community here, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because what happened on that day, just as what happened on Easter Sunday, continued to change the world, and it's why we're here, because the church was formed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So amen to that. Amen. Amen. We need to be excited about that. Y'all, y'all are really fired up. Amen, brother. Amen. Thank you. Um, second thing, we kind of celebrated that. Chris and I were down at our uh, United Methodist Annual Conference. I know, again, that fires y'all up too. But uh, I, uh, I was able to preach a word, and Chris led music. And uh, what it was all about, the service was about new life. And what I hope y'all get each and every Sunday here at Bellwether is no matter where you are in your life, no matter what's going on, no matter the challenges, upheavals, Good times, bad times, you can experience new life. You can have a new life starting this morning. Your life can change in a moment by the power of the Holy Spirit, by believing in Jesus Christ, by receiving the grace of Christ. Your life can change today. I believe someone's life will change today. That's why I'm not just up here to do a song and dance. We don't just put on this as a rote display. We're here because we believe it. We believe in new life. And this church is a new life. We stand as a new church, and we see new life happening, and I'm just thankful for it. I'm glad y'all are here. We're going to turn on the lights a bit and have a family time. Y'all just greet each other, say, man, have a good day, God bless you, whatever it is. And then Andy and Missy Phillips and any friends and family, they're going to come up and join our church family, and we're going to have a time to pray over them. So y'all greet one another, and then we'll pray for Andy and Missy. as always. You all okay? Brother? You want to say a word? Yeah, I'll say it. Okay. Let me get you a mic. Hey, can we use a mic? Okay. Use a mic for them. Oh, it's so sweet. Y'all go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. Um, what we love to do in this time is that people who are um, people who are joining, who come to join our church family, we love to give them a moment to share a brief word and then pray over them. So, again, today Andy and Missy Phillips, their daughter Morgan, are coming up here to join Bellwether, and they have been uh, they've been serving in both family and hospitality over several months. That y'all started visiting with us when we were in the courthouse. So. 
I'm thankful that, uh, that God led y'all here and that y'all want to grow here, and I know you want to share a word with us, so go ahead, brother. I'm not much of a speaker, so this is going to be real quick, but I just want to thank John Hugh, all the worship team, and every one of y'all at Bellwether for making us feel welcome and making us feel at home since the first time we came, and we, we look forward to uh, growing our relationship with Christ with y'all and serving with each of one of y'all. Thank you very much. Very good, brother. Short and sweet. There you Short go. Again, you may recognize Andy and Missy because many Sundays you're handing out our, our order of worship, right? So they are uh, they're great to, to greet and build this community. And, uh, and again, I'm just thankful that y'all say, hey, we want to grow here. We want to put down roots here. And uh, we want to pray for them now as one body, one church. If you'd like to, we're going to put a hand on them. If y'all like to extend a hand as the body of Jesus Christ, please feel free to do so. But let's all, uh, let's all join together and pray for Andy, Missy, and their family. Dear, I thank you that uh, today we do, we can celebrate that you began your church by the power of your spirit and that that church was never, uh, never for just individuals or just in isolation, but that you led us and called us to be in community and in relationship. And we see that here in our church body. And I thank you for this family who's come before us and said, we want to serve, we want to grow we want to be discipled here. We want to get to know and love Jesus more and help us to be a church that would do that. Um, as they grow their family, that we would support them, encourage them, undergird them by the power of your Holy Spirit and that you would, uh, you would just grow us all together more and more, both in new people, but most of all in new lives by the power of Jesus. And it's in his name. Amen. Thanks, brother. Here you go. Good handshake. <laughs> um, as we move into our offering time, I always say this, I love having people join before we give because the reason we give is for people, for people to have new life, for families to come forward and say, hey, I want to grow here. So with everything that we do, both in mission and out in the world, it starts with individuals and a new life transformed by Christ. So thank you for what you give, that we can be that and do that as a church family. Thank you all so much. We're blessed by our worship team as they... uh, they take an exit. Let's, uh, let's join together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are here with us. Your Spirit's speaking to us. Dear Lord, I pray that regardless of things that are going on or happening in our lives, you would, uh, you would say precisely what we need to hear and that all of our hearts would be open, wherever we are in life, whatever's going on, to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I have to admit, uh, not like every Sunday, Itton, but uh, as I was thinking through this, this sermon this day, it's kind of a radical message. Um, just get that out there, um, first and foremost. So uh, it is Pentecost. I mean, there's not going to be any, uh, not that I know of. I don't think any, any of y'all are going to dance or go down the aisles or anything like that. But, um, I mean, you might. I mean, but um, I'm not planning on any of that. Uh, no snakes, nothing like that. But the message is radical because the message of the gospel, if you really get into it, is a radical message. And we're going to get into that today. And we're going to be plain and simple about it. And so, uh, so buckle up. Ready to go? Ready to go? Wow, y'all, I mean, y'all are like fired up today. You ready to go? Okay, praise God. Um, wherever you are in your life, and rich, poor, young, old, you know, whatever, not that any of you are old, but uh, wherever you are in your life, and in your faith walk, more importantly, like some of you may just be really just growing and thriving and 
loving Jesus and changed life. Other you may, you know, not be so certain. I think there are four common things that each of us share, each of us have, okay? One is we have weaknesses for certain sins, okay? For example, you know, traditionally you've heard of the seven deadly sins. Well, some may be weak in some and some weak in others. I mean, you may be weak in pride and thinking you're so mighty important, or maybe you're weak in lust, or, you know, maybe you're weak in greed, or, I mean, all of us have weaknesses for certain sins, okay? That's one thing we have in common. Another thing we have in common, I would say, and some of you might refute this, but sometimes we have trouble, like, communicating with God. We're like, does God even hear me? I mean, I'm praying for this, and, you know, I'm praying for this person to live, and then he or she dies, and Does God really hear prayers? I mean, does God really communicate? I think all of us have those questions, and we have challenges of, like, communicating with God, okay? Third thing we have in common, we have trouble in our lives. I mean, there's the idea, and all of us want to live the good life. And whether the good life is, you know, hitting a beach in the Caribbean or, you know, a great job and white picket fence, all of that, you know, we we got this idea and espouse a good life, and then problems happen, and we say, man, my life is not going that well right now, okay? And then last, and I would say this, again, some of you may refute me, but all of us can fear death. All of us can be afraid of death. I mean, I'll stand here before you. I mean, I I know that I have salvation in Christ, but the idea of death, I mean, it can kind of, you know, each of us is going to die. It can kind of freak me out. And I I think if it doesn't you, I, I think you're lying. I mean, I think you're all great and truthful, but you know what I'm saying. So, again, there's weaknesses for sin. We can have trouble communicating with God. There's problems in our life, and we can fear death. Now, here's what I also believe, and I'm not saying I'm totally here yet, but I also believe that a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ can erode those four to the point where they do not exist. I mean, I really believe it to the point where they do not exist, that your walk with Christ is so strong that those four things, they, they never weigh you down. They're, they don't exist. And so that's the road I want to go on in my own life. That's the road I want all of us to go on. But before you do that, each and every one of us has to take some type of step. We've got to take a step to, as Chris and the worship team was singing, we've got to receive the amazing grace. We've got to surrender. We've got to say, God, I can't do this anymore on my own. I surrender my life to you. We've got to let go. We've got to take a step of faith. We've got to, we've got to take a jump of faith, a leap of faith. I'll never forget the moment, I mean the actual moment, when my wife was saved, received salvation. And, you know, she said, for so long, she felt that God had been pulling her, pulling her up to a ledge or a cliff and leading her, and that she was there for so long, and she stayed at that edge. And then at that moment, she decided to jump. And when you jump, even though that cliff may seem far and wide and deep, I believe you jump into the hands of our Heavenly Father, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we have to take that step. We have to take that jump. Preaching a three-week series on grace. Grace, what is it? Last week I talked about the grace that seeks. And I believe this. 
ever since you've been born, the grace of God has been pulling you to that cliff so that you can see God and how much he loves you and drawing you to him. Today we're talking about the grace that saves. And that is when you jump. That is when you take that leap to believe in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and receive his grace. And that that grace begins to live and dwell in you by the power of the Holy Spirit and your life is changed. And it can go so much so that those four things that I said at the beginning, again, they can at a point through the grace of God not exist. But we've got to be saved first. So today is the saving grace. Today is the you're saved. Today is the salvation. And let me say this. I believe that some of you in this room do not have it. It's not very seeker friendly. I know. I love you anyway, but I believe that some of you do not have that. I believe some of you, you know, live lives maybe you think you do. Maybe you're being challenged by things in life. Maybe you question God. But I believe there are people here who have not taken that step. You have an opportunity each and every day, but you have an opportunity. God has led you here to take that step. And I would say this, and I I sent an email out to some folks this week. I said, you know, if you died today or tonight, would you be sure of where you would spend eternity? That's a very old-fashioned question. Honestly, when I've been posed that question before in my life, that's a big turnoff. Again, that's not a very seeker-friendly question. But I would pose it to you. If something happened in your life, and you died, do you know, are you secure in where you would spend eternity? Because it is a a very, it's the most important question of all of our lives. Now, I also think that the church, as, you know, churches, sometimes we don't really put that question out in a way, or maybe in a graceful way, that's so much so that people are turned off by church or they run away from church. So today, what I'm trying to do, what I want to aim to do, is really redefine that moment and redefine that grace. Hopefully that you can see, if you have not taken that step, or maybe if you have, but that you need it in where you are in your life. So if you would... um, if you would turn to the book of uh, Romans, or the letter to Romans, we're going to be in Romans 8. And um, before we get into the scripture, though, I want to say a bit about Pentecost. When I talk about new life, and I talk about being saved, that is, that's what this Bible is about. I mean, Pentecost Sunday, that's in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came down, and the disciples were transformed even more. And then Peter went out and preached to all these people in Jerusalem, and then they said, what must we do to be saved? Acts 2, 38. What must we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent. As in like say, God, I am sorry for blankety blank this and that. Get baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What this word is about, new life. This this book is about what must I do to be saved. And so for the rest of Acts and to today, people were getting saved. You can go through Acts. Acts, um, Acts 8, there was an Ethiopian, a person of a different color. All of a sudden, came to know Jesus Christ and was saved. Cornelius, a Gentile, person of a different society, different socioeconomic background, got saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lydia, the first convert in Europe, a woman, got saved. Jesus knows no bounds. People's lives are changed by this grace. So what happens at that moment? I mean, have you ever thought that? I mean, I used to see folks who were like saved or life changed. Like, what happened to them, man? I mean, like, what, you know, did they, did they go nuts? Did they, I mean, I'm sure people think I went nuts. But, you know, what exactly happened? 
And so I want to show you this in Romans 8. If you'll turn to Romans 8, and I'm going to read, first off, verse 9 through 13. What happens when you're saved? Verse 9, it starts, says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. A couple things this passage says, a couple things it tells us. One, there is a life of the flesh. There's the fleshly life. And the fleshly life can be defined as when you live by instinct and impulse and on the desires of the flesh. When you have those weaknesses in the seven deadly sins, maybe you got all of them, but you're giving into them all the time. And you live off instinct, you live off impulse. And I'll be honest, I believe that is our authentic life. Because it's our sinful nature. We have those weaknesses, and we're born in the flesh and living by the flesh. But then there's another life that this passage talks about, and it is life of the Spirit, life of the Holy Spirit. And what happens in that moment of salvation, what I believe happens with everything I am, that's why I do what I do. I believe that the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that was with God and Jesus at the beginning of time, The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead enters into your life and into your heart and lives and resides there and then begins to grow in you where it can change your life where you no longer live a life of the flesh but you live a life of the spirit. And this, you know, this scripture is clear. It says if you do not live By the Spirit, if you don't have that life, then you do not belong to Christ. That's some pretty harsh... I mean, listen to this again. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. You hear that again? If you do not have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in you, residing in you, if you've not been saved, you do not belong to Christ. Plain and simple. Then he goes on. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Listen, what this means is when the spirit lives in you, even though our body is dying, and here, this is a radical statement, the means that will ultimately bring about our death do not matter. I know that sounds crazy. You mean cancer doesn't matter? You mean a heart attack doesn't matter? I'm saying ultimately it does not matter because if you live by the spirit, ultimately the same spirit that raised Jesus, this passage said, is gonna raise you and me. I mean, how, so, give me an amen, somebody. Is that not good news? Amen. Praise God. That's what life of the Spirit is. That not only you change now, but you're not going to know death, and that you will live forever, both in spirit and in body, one day. But there's something we have to do. This passage goes on. It says, put to death the deeds of the body. Put to death the life of the flesh. So, what that also means is that Yes, the Spirit's in us, but we've got to do some work to put to death some of these fleshly things. And that takes discipline. I mean, if you, um, if you like, you know, let me just use some examples. If you like the sin of greed, 
and you're always trying to take money from people, and then Jesus begins to live in you, you got to start putting to death that part of your life. And you got to not be so greedy anymore. If you really like the sin of lust, and you've been living in that, and then the Spirit resides in you, you got to start putting to death that sin. And there are multitudes of sin that we can all name, but what this scripture says is you've got to start putting to death. And I'll, you know, here we go. So many believers, or who say they're believers, they don't want to put to death the sins or the life of the flesh. And they want to be like, we've got two lives. I've got life of the spirit and I've got life of the flesh. And it doesn't roll that way. I mean, it, it really doesn't. Now, I know we make mistakes. I, I ask God to forgive me for something I did last night. Don't ask Linda about it. But anyway, I asked God to forgive me this morning as I was getting ready to preach. And I was like, you know, I, I need forgiveness for that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't stand up here perfect. It is a process. We've got to have that discipline. We've got to say, man, you know, I want to live a new life. I want this life of the Spirit to not just, just, you know, be once a week or on Sundays. And so that takes discipline. That takes a community of people supporting one another, praying for one another. Because if you've got sin, and we all got sin, I mean, sin can be tough to, to put away. But it's new life, a new life, life of the Spirit, no longer life of the flesh. Tell a story, we sing Amazing Grace, probably the most known hymn of all time. The story of Amazing Grace is, is so, so powerful. A man by the name of John Newton. John Newton was a slave trader. He was captain of a ship, sailed back and forth from the old world to the new world. He traded slaves. He watched as slaves were beaten, whipped, branded, killed. You know, the story goes on his slave ships, you know, if it was, if there were slaves who got sick on the journey, that they would tie a chain around their feet with, you know, some heavy weights and let them fall off into the ocean. So this man, man who ultimately wrote about chains being broken free, he put chains people's bodies and saw them drown but at a point at a moment in his life he went from a life of the flesh of money and power and using people to a life of the spirit and he's so humble he said you know i was i was lost and now i'm found i was blind and now i see it's it is what the song says it is it's it's amazing grace a changed life, a new life. That moment, being saved, brings about new life. It also brings about a good life. We're all in search of a good life. Look at this passage, Romans 8, again, verse 26 through 28. It says, In the same way the Spirit helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Remember our four weaknesses at the beginning, four things we have problems with? One is praying to God, like, you know, does he listen, does he hear? This passage says we've got a helper, an advocate, someone who is literally praying to God for our needs. Now, I still want you to pray. I mean, don't like say, well, I don't have to pray, the Holy Spirit will. But we have this this person, the Holy Spirit, who knows us, living inside us and saying, God, 
he or she really needs this. He is our advocate, our helper. We have someone who is so close to Jesus and so close to God that he is praying for us. And yes, we should continue praying, but man, that is, if you like don't know how to pray, if you don't think your prayers are working, if you live a new life, you have the Holy Spirit praying for you. And this passage goes on, it says, all things will work together for good for those who love the Lord. It didn't say some things, it didn't say a few things, it didn't say every now and then, it said all things. Now listen, I believe in evil in the world, I believe it's present, you can see it on the news probably every night. Evil happens. People do bad stuff. But this passage says that even any evil, even any bad things, God will co-opt and change and bring about that it can work for us for good in our life. Whether that is sickness, whether that is being stabbed in the back, whether that's being a broken relationship, whether that's having someone abandon you, all of this bad stuff, God says he can bring it about for good in this good life. And he says he does it for those who love him, but it's easy to miss that last part, for those who are called according to his purpose. And the good life, the real good life is, is that you have a call on your life. That you're not just here to just, you know, hey man, let's, let's have a good life and then, you know, go to heaven. Know that God has a call on your life. Believe that with all my heart. That's why I do what I do again, is that I believe for each and every one of you, God has a call on your life. Tell you another story about something very, very bad that happened that God used for good. This is a person you probably haven't heard of, a man named Joseph Damien. And uh, he was from Belgium. And uh, this is about 100 years ago or so. And he felt uh, he was saved, had a changed life, had a new life, and felt led to go into the mission field. And he ended up, of all places, you're going to love this, he ended up in Hawaii. The mission field. I know Larry Nesbitt. Larry, you're talking about a mission trip to Hawaii, right, brother? That's right. Okay. We're working on it. But he said, or he went to Hawaii, and he ended up ministering and being a missionary to a colony of uh, lepers. Had leprosy. And this, this guy, Joseph, was uh, from Belgium. Went to Hawaii as a missionary. Was in this uh, leprosy colony. Obviously did all he can to not contract leprosy. And the story goes, there was a moment that he was uh, boiling water one morning to make himself a cup of coffee. And all of a sudden, he did something where the boiling hot water knocked over onto one of his feet. And he felt nothing. He felt no pain. And he dropped the, the cup of coffee, shattered. He's like, you know what this means. And he poured the, the boiling water on his, his other foot no feeling, none whatsoever. And when he would preach to this colony, they say he would always start by going, my fellow believers, my fellow Christian believers. But that day, or that evening, when he came to preach, he then said, my fellow brothers, my fellow lepers. He contracted leprosy, ultimately died there, silent in Hawaii, the, uh, the Belgian government wanted his body back. And uh, he was so loved by these people that they said, no, no, we, we really want him buried here with us. And his family and wanted him back. So he said, okay, well, would you, would you please 
cut off his hand or cut off his arm and let us bear that here because he, he came and he, he touched us. He touched us. It was a, a salvation, an evangelism of touch to people who other people just don't touch. And so they did. And to this day, one of the islands, I forget which one, but uh, Joseph Damien's hand and his arm is, is buried there. It's a ministry of touch. And so I think about this passage, I think about that life. You know, you, you can imagine, you know, not a lot of, a lot of good there. You, you contract leprosy, you die, you know, you're, you don't live your life. But man, that's a, that's, a, that's a testimony to me. And, and for him, I mean, he, he continued to live out his life. He continued ministering. He continued believing that no matter what happens, God is going to bring it about for good. And he does. New life, good life, last. What does this grace do? Eternal life. Life forever. Last passage, Romans 8, 38 through 39. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Every time I do a funeral, I'm there at a graveside service, and I always use this verse because it's at the graveside. You know, a family mourns, and it's it's trying, but... Uh, I've noticed that it's at that point where the coffin enters the grave. It's, it's the biggest point where they feel the separation. They feel the loss that they're, they're leaving this person. And I always use this verse because it says there is no separation. Not in the natural world, in the created world. And if you can imagine all the stars in the sky and the sun and the moon and everything created, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And then also it goes on in the supernatural world. The angels, the principalities, nothing can separate us from what? From the love of God that is found in Jesus Christ. Can separate us from what? The grace of God. Amen. Amen. Please. Amen. Nothing can separate us. And it's true. We have life for eternity. And as I said earlier, the spirit that enters into our life will one day raise that life and raise that body so that we will have eternal life in our in our bodies with, with Christ our Lord and when heaven comes back to earth. And so many of us, you know, focus so much energy and effort on this life and miss that our lives are eternal. Our lives aren't just bound to this body. Our lives aren't just bound to this time and place. We have an eternal life and there is a place that we are going to go to for eternity. And actually two places. There's heaven or there's a hell. There's those who've received salvation and those who have not. And I want us all to have eternal lives in heaven. I want us all to know, I want us to know one another in heaven. I want us to know our Lord and Savior in heaven and live for eternity. And we have that promise. And so much of our time and effort is focused on this life. Even going to graves and gravesides. It's interesting, you know, how so many put people put their life or try to put a, a, a blip of their life on their, their tombstone. I, uh, very famous American, someone I actually admire, um, is uh, Thomas Jefferson. And some of you probably have been to his home in Virginia. And if you go, there's his grave, and he, he lists his greatest accomplishments. You know, it's not even being president. It's author of the Declaration of Independence. Um, he's an author of a statute of religious freedom, and he built the University of Virginia. And it's all 
on his graveside. And you know, the interesting thing about Jefferson was that he took this Bible and he cut out passages in the New Testament. He literally created his own Bible. He said, these are the things I believe in, these are the things I don't, and so this is my Bible. And what's interesting about that is so many people in the world today do the same thing. They may not cut out verses of Scripture, but they say, this is the religion I want, and I'll take a bit of Christianity, and I'll take a bit of, like, humanism and a bit of this. So I kind of, you know, make my own religion. And so Thomas Jefferson would say, hey, these are my greatest accomplishments. This is my life. How many of us do that? How many of us have planned what we would put on our tomb to be remembered for this life and our accomplishments and, and what we did and forget that we have life eternal and we forget that it's this whole word that we are to believe in that says I am the way the truth and the life that says because I live you live Jesus said and it's for life eternal see real grace saving grace when you hit that salvation I also believe you realize that your life is an eternal life and it's not about just the here and now and it's not about the great deeds that you would put on your tombstone. But it's that you have this awesome, amazing grace that will never separate you from the love of God found in Jesus Christ. I want all of us to have that. And you know, the thing is, is I can't like force it on anybody. I can't make you have that. You have to have a moment. Last story, briefly. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he thought he was saved and he wasn't. He was a missionary, and he was not saved. He went to the American colonies, tried to preach the gospel, had a bad experience, came back. He thought he was saved, and he was sitting in a church in London. And he says this. He says, my heart was strangely warmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he realized that he had never been saved until that time. And then he experienced a new life. Then he began experiencing the good life. It was then that he fully knew what eternal life was. Some of you out there think you are saved. I love you. But I know some of you aren't. And I, today is, again, it's Pentecost. It is when the Holy Spirit descended. It is when we remember that. The Holy Spirit is here. And he wants to live and reside in your heart. So in closing, we're going to do something different today. I want us to have a time of prayer. So please bow your heads and let's pray together. Um, worship team's not going to come up right now. But, you know, ask that question about if you died today or tonight do you do you know are you sure of your salvation and some of you may or some of you may not be and um, I'd like you to bow your heads every head bowed please every head bowed that no one could see and I'm not asking you to do this for me I'm really asking you to do it for God so that he can see and if if you don't know if you don't know if you've received amazing grace if you don't know the Holy Spirit lives in your life if you don't know what will happen to you for eternity if you're not sure just just lift up your hand for a minute and put it down just real quick just a hand just lift it up if you're not sure I asked two things for those of you who did and again that's for God to see no one else not even me if you did please come talk to me just please come talk to me as pastor I'd, I'd love to talk to you but you know hey you know God doesn't God doesn't work with me or through me for everybody so if there's someone else you trust I mean please talk to someone who you look to as a Christian mentor. And I'd be honored and I would happily do that. But please do that. And then, secondly, I'd like all of us to pray this prayer. 
particularly if you lifted a finger, if you lifted a hand. And I'd like us to join together in prayer right now. If you're not certain, if you're not sure, let's pray together and just say, Dear Lord, I am a humble, broken vessel. I thank you for your presence in my life. Do I repent of the weakness and the sins and the life of the flesh that I fall so easily prey to? And do I ask to receive the power of your amazing grace, the blessing of your Holy Spirit, and to know and to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? And dear Lord, help me to be in a community of people that can support me through the church or through a group of Christian brothers and sisters that your spirit that can and will indwell in me today, starting today, will grow and that I can live a life of the spirit and not a life of the flesh. In the name of Jesus, who I accept as my Lord and Savior and receive his grace and begin a new life today. Amen. I believe some of you prayed that prayer. If you did, if you truly did, man, praise God. That that is why we're here. Now we're going to have an invitational time. The worship team's going to come up. If you would like further prayers, if you'd like prayers of healing, if there's something going on in your life, you want to come up and you want to experience some healing of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe people can be healed. I believe people can be healed emotionally. I believe people can be healed physically. Now is that time. Now is the time to begin a new life, to begin a good life, to begin your eternal life. Praise God.